The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review. Got a couple of legendary comedians on this week that we need to talk about. Bert Kreischer and his new movie, The Machine, following up with uh, legendary Andrew Dice Clay. Joined as always, my co-host Todd. What's happening? What's up, party people? All right, Todd went to the monster trucks today, so he's, he's pumped. Let's go. All right, let's go. You are listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review Podcast. We find little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience Podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host, Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Well, you still haven't seen The Machine, have you? Not yet. Dude, you gotta watch The Machine. I've had my kid for the last three days. Settle down. Okay. I'm gonna go. You better go. I'm gonna support comedy. You gotta go. I'm going. You gotta support it. There were quite a lot of people at the theater when I went. Surprised. Yeah. It was like an early showing. (laughs) What was it? Maybe, hmm, I think it went on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's a busy day anyway. Big day. But, uh. And it was probably rainy. It was. I just don't feel like people are going to the movies anymore. No, not since the vid. The last time I went was uh, Top Gun Two. Good, also good movie. And that felt like that felt like I had to watch it there. Totally worth it. There you go. I mean, nailed it. I did finally see that one. Still pretty damn cheesy. Mm. Pretty damn cheesy. But it's kind of you know, it's like it's was gonna to be. Cheesy. be. Let mean, me tell you about the machine though. It was fucking great. Now. Obviously, you could say there's a bias. I'm a big fan of Bert. Yeah. But I'm also a big fan of movies that are enjoyable. And I really didn't know. I mean, he's, you know, he's not like an A-list um, actor. Right. Per se. So I was like, I don't but know if hilarious. he could pull it off. Of course. But that's different, right? Being a stand-up is different than like nailing a movie. Maybe. But like stand-ups know how to act, dude. Look at Eddie Murphy. I mean, come on. Beverly Hills Cop. Let's go. Yeah, but you're saying that like every stand-up knows how to do it. Eddie Murphy True. was something very different. You no, know, you're right. Think how like Adam Sandler's been. He's a legend. And he's been making, a, a, I would say, a pile of dog shit comedy movies. He's hit or miss. I mean, Billy Madison's legend. Yeah, the old ones were great, yeah. but but you yeah, know. you're right. It's hit or miss. But I w- I would say that I would I would think that most com- most really good comics are going to be good actors. I would think. 
Yeah, but is, is the movie also going to be good? I mean, there were just a lot of factors that I was like, I don't know if they could pull it off. Maybe I like some bits. Maybe some bits would be over the top. Okay, so what are, you silly. It? what are you giving Dude, it? Dude, it was fucking brilliant. It's one of the best comedies I've seen in a good amount of time. Given many, many years. Nine out of ten, Siskel? I don't really rate things that way, but I'll, yeah, I'll give it a, I'll watch it again. Okay. You know? Better than Top Gun 2. Well, for different reasons. Different but there was reasons. no boobs, no boobies. Bert, wish, Bert was a little upset about that towards the end. I wish there was some boobies. No boobs. I'm not going to lie, but maybe it's not the I time. I loved how he was like, guys, I think we fucked up. We didn't throw any titties in there. Like Rodney Dangerfield style in the 80s. Like, let's throw yeah. some boobs in there. And, Come and then, on. And then didn't, didn't his uh, <laughs> director or producer be like, no, dude, uh, we don't do that anymore. I love when he's talking about the kissing scene, though. He's like, yeah, I got to make out with this chick for like three days straight. Yeah. Hilarious. Well, what's interesting is, no spoiler, but when you see that scene, it's like I expected it to be way different than it was, too. It was like just like a, it was supposed to be funny, or was it just like a no, small I, kiss? No, the way he set it up, I just imagined it almost being like a love scene. Yeah, but it was just like a welcome home, I love you scene. Yeah. You know, it was anyway. So many great <laughs> points. the The fucking comedy on it was just nonstop. It was really uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Even with all the Russian speaking. Dude, people like the, that just made even, it more funny. Even the like comedy action in it is really fucking good. Mm. Like they just nailed it. Cool. I mean, it would just highly produced, right? You know, they have money for it because they they had some like pretty elaborate scenes. Cool. Which was like yeah, spot on. Right. And then uh, what's his name, Mark Hamill, good mm -hmm. old Luke Skywalker, mm -hmm. was brilliant. The, really? Their chemistry between the two of them is is fantastic. Point is, if you haven't seen it, get the fuck out there, watch right. it. I'm gonna go watch don't, it. Don't don't be that guy. All right. Well, what do you got in your notes here with Mr. Kreischer? He's always a blessing to to just hear. Well, other than he came in his pants for kissing that girl. Well, he said he, he needed some tape. He needed to do the old turnaround tuck up, the mm. old tattoo. No, he said he needed a a, a wardrobe change. <laughs> Like he straight up had to do it. I love how honest he is, even if it's like you know slightly weird. Bless him. You've got to love that he's he's just like never changed. What an absolute animal! And to think, I don't know how old he is now. He's got to be in his forties. Crasher's like forty-seven. Yeah, you think so? Okay, no, he is because uh, I was actually surprised. I, I looked this up, so he's in his late forties and. Uh, I looked it up because he was talking about um, seeing the Iraq War the first time, which I remember in the right. 90s. I remember that when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, are, am, am I the same age as Kreischer? Because I'm almost 42, right? right. 40, 41 and a half. Yeah. And so I looked him up, and so he was, I want to say he was actually closer to 50. He's like 49 or 50. He might be. But um, but cigar, um, Tom is... Seguro's only 43. So Seguro's like pretty much our age, which I did not realize. I really? thought Seguro was older. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew he was a little bit younger. Anyway. I mean, look, there's a couple of things that's happened here. So really, this movie is about Burt Kreischer, for sure. It's like the like a story of his life plus a fictional part at the end that they make into most of the movie but yeah, it's, it's like a that. recap that's how they did it <clears throat> of an act of what actually happened of like him yeah. right you know and they add some narrative but this isn't the first movie that people have made about Burt Kreischer 
because l- loosely based on him was Van Wilder, which was you with... You told me that. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. That's for real? Yeah, so basically, as far as I understand it, Rolling Stone magazine bought his story rights because he was just a legendary partier at Florida State. Okay. And, and then I think it was subcontracted or bought again by National Lampoons, and they're the ones that produced the movie that um, Ryan Reynolds was in. But yeah, that was supposed to be about him. Well, Just for all this- you young kids make, who haven't seen Van Wilder and have no idea what we're talking about, that I mean, I watched that movie probably fifty times when I was in college. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. All right. So, so I just looked this up. The real life Van Wilder. This is from the New York Post, May nineteenth, twenty fourteen. Uh, you said it was in Rolling Stone first, though. I thought so. Yeah. Anyways, well, this is old. This is obviously a lot older. So it says Bert Kreischer, who majored in partying during his six years in college. Six years. <laughs> Love is that. the source material for the two thousand two Fratcom National Lampoon's Van Wilder. There you go. Wow. Well, dude, anything National Lampoon's mates amazing. There was one of my favorite magazines from back in the day. Oh yeah, they were fun. Have you seen the movie about the actual So there's two movies about National Lampoon's, which was a magazine that started based off of a Harvard magazine called The Lampoon. Right. And wasn't it a lot of SNL guys? Well, eventually before they got eventually. To SNL, it was like Chevy Chase, so Belushi. So, SNL basically stole all the guys that were part of National Lampoon, and that kind of broke everybody up. Right. And then they did, uh, so it was a magazine, and then they were doing all of their own comedy bits, and then Lorne Michaels came along and noticed what was happening, and he basically took everyone and paid them more, I think. Poached According them. According to the movie, poached them, because it was Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, you know, Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. few others. The guy that's in, you know, they they did uh, Animal House was their first movie. Right. Which was a Legendary. smash hit. Dude, it was smash so good. Hit. The nerdy dude at the end who doesn't really talk with the glasses, uh-huh. who's like walking into a wall when they do the parade. Remember yep. that nerdy guy? Yep, yep. He's the fucking founder of National Lampoons. Oh, no shit. Yeah, and he ended up committing suicide in Hawaii after a Caddyshack bombed. Caddyshack was not a cult classic until years after it came out. It first came out and it fucking bombed. And he went on he went on a freaking bender in, in Hawaii. They talk about it in the movie. So if you haven't seen it, we're getting a little off track. No, here, no, but I've, se- but I've seen I have seen that. There's um, two of them though. There's like a there's like a remake of what actually happened with real actors. But there's one that came out before it that's actually like a documentary about the actual people, the real oh, people. Yeah, I saw the that remake one's better. One. I didn't see the... The actual um, doc is better. Okay. okay. And they talk about the suicide and everything else, because I don't think they go into that with the with the other one, with the Hollywood remake. No, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't. But crazy story, dude. Those guys were freaking amazing. That's kind of wild that um, Caddyshack wasn't a bigger hit early on. It's right such a bat. good movie. Yeah. I mean, um, Bill Murray's character was off the hook in that one. Yeah, you got to think about, though, like a lot of cult classics are like that. That's true. You know, it takes a while before they really start taking off. Mm-hmm. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm-hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. 
And it might be one of those things too, like maybe in a sense, the comedy itself was out so out there. It was like sometimes these things are a little ahead of their time, yeah. and it takes a minute for people to catch up. They also talk about how their the producers and the directors were kind of tried to take over a lot, and Chevy and all these guys were just high as fuck on coke the entire time, and uh, and, and during the production of it, and. The producers were really adamant about putting that stupid little gerbil in there, which is kind of cute and fun and whatever. But, and I, I'm, I'm spacing oh, the dude's wasn't name. Wasn't it like a fucking? It was a, it was groundhog, a groundhog. Right? Yeah, groundhog. Yeah. yeah, that was not supposed to be in there, and it really pissed off the. I'm spacing again the the guy's name who started National Lampoon or one okay. of the co-founders, but it pissed him off. He's like, I don't want this. This is too kiddy, kiddish, and silly, and. You know, it's gonna ruin the movie. I I think having a little gopher in there, whatever. I it, either way, it's it was an like amazing okay. movie, but it yeah. didn't need to be in it. Nah. No, the characters were like the characters, really well made yeah. it. Yeah, they were completely out of their mind. But anyway, that Van Wilder story is cool. I didn't realize it was based off of Bert Bertski. <laughs> yeah, that's a good movie. I think that was the first time I saw Ryan Reynolds in anything, and I was like, this guy's fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah. I think that was his first movie. Yeah. Absolutely hilarious. You crushed it. Write it, that down. Write that down. Yeah. It's yeah, write that down. <laughs> it's so good too that Burke comes on and you know, again, this is another example of like credit that Rogan never likes to take. Because Bert said, you know, I, I love you more. You know, you'll never love me as much as I love you. Like that that's yeah. just Bert being Bert. Yeah. Rogan's like, shut the fuck up, dude. I love you the same. We we're both good friends. Right. But he would have never said that story on stage until he came on Rogan's podcast and said it. And Rogan just said, you have to start yeah. saying that. That was like the 73rd Rogan podcast. Early, right? early, early. Yeah, when like they were 50s still in the bedroom. Or 70s. And yeah. you know what's nuts about that is it became a huge part of his act. It always will be because it's such an unusual story. People want to hear it forever. And now it's a fucking movie. I mean, it's yeah. it literally that advice literally changed Bert's life. Yeah. Well, right out right off the bat, they start talking about uh, how your friends should be better than you. I love that. It's like if you're not, what is it? The rising tide raises all boats, right? Yeah. And well, definitely surround. They they don't have to be better than you. You know, they just have to. They. Uh, they just have to fucking be really good friends right. that are that care about you. That want to bring you up as much as you want to bring yourself up, and vice versa. Absolutely, like that's what these guys all did. They all supported each other. Even Joe was like, "Yeah, I've been very fortunate, but I couldn't and wouldn't have wanted to do this journey without bringing my friends along." I mean, he's probably made what like a dozen of his friends millionaires, super famous. Yeah, yeah. Well, and. He talked about it towards the end. Rogan was talking about how he's just not a jealous person and jealousy is such a weird thing. And he, at a very young age, when he was jealous, when, when he was in the ring, you know, and, and, you know, kickboxing and doing karate or whatever else he was doing early on. Taekwondo. Taekwondo, thank you. He would get really jealous of people and get pissed off and this and that. And for whatever reason, he learned very early at like 15, 16, 17 years old that this is not helping me and I should be excited for these people. And it really shows in his personality. And that's why it, it drives me nuts when everyone, not everyone, but 
you know, when, when I tell people we do this podcast, and they go, oh, Joe Rogan, this and that, and the other thing. I'm like, have you ever listened to the guy? <laughs> you have no clue. This yeah. guy is such a selfless badass. I don't want to hear it. I, I really don't know many people that um, have a lot of exposure to listening to Rogan that also talk shit about, like, his character and who he is. Maybe sometimes they pick some points politically, you know, especially through um well minus COVID. the covid minus the covid stuff though what are you going to talk shit about well so, exactly but but some people have, have like now labeled him as like a certain way of ideology so they're like getting suspicious but but i also notice in those people that they have really connected themselves hardcore with like one political ideology or another so it's like when you do that they're always looking for anyone that disagrees. Well, you're just not open-minded. It's not a good way of thinking. And Joe was so open-minded. Yeah, it's not a good way of thinking. And and the people that just kind of blow him off as like, oh, he's just, you know, that guy with the podcast that does yeah. the fighting and the comedy. It's like, okay, but, you know, you've probably never even heard one podcast he's been on. Yeah, it's not even, yeah, it's not even worth going there, really. Mm -mm. Those people are dumb. <laughs> uh, what about... <laughs> So so there's a few things I wrote down here. I, I wrote a lot down on this one, but I loved how Bert's talking about how his energy is just too much sometimes for the Europeans. Like they didn't even have a name for this unpredictive, explosive person. Like that's all they could do to explain him is that he's unpredictive, he's explosive, they don't know what he's going to do. There's really no slang talk in Russian. Yeah. And so they, yeah, he's just a wild telling, animal. So what was it? One of the ladies that was that's in the film hears this from you know her coworkers or whatever, and she's like scared to do a scene with him because they told her he's unpredictable, explosive, uh, you know, just wild. don't know what he's gonna do, yeah. and it that's what makes him Bert. That's yeah. why we love him, and yeah. you know the same reason why he's in the front row at his own movie cracking up crying the entire time and instead of doing red carpet at the first showing he's like fuck that we're not doing red carpet i'm gonna sit with the audience i'm gonna fucking drink beer with them i'm gonna bong beer with them i'm gonna eat popcorn with them we're gonna hug it out who else does that man? yeah love well, that guy they you know it's very hollywood to be like you got to show up late make a big entrance you know look cool everyone's already been there but just immediately was like <clears throat> no this is like my one time, yeah. maybe. I'm sure he'll get more movies, but this is his big moment. For him to get there early, they were axe throwing. They had an axe throwing <laughs> set up at the red carpet. And you yes. know he got hammered. His shirt came off probably 50 times. Uh, I also love all the um, videos on his Instagram right now where he is just going to watch that movie randomly at loads of different places. Yes. And just hanging out with the crowd and so watching cool. it. Good for him, dude. So cool. That's the way to really fucking do it. Well, he did say he bumped into Edward Norton, right? So I saw I saw Edward Norton at least once in Santa Monica. He has a dope-ass Tesla. And, you know, he's quite a quiet guy. He's, like, a really solid actor. And, you know, he's he's just different than Bert. Yeah. And Well, he's yeah, a method actor. Exactly. Yeah. So Bert meets him, and he's freaking screaming and being a lunatic. And, yeah, he's just... He freaks people out. But how can you not love that? I know. I, I mean, I get it. Yeah. I get it. I'd party with him. Let's so go. 
what else do we got? Oh, the World War One story about the soldiers having a ceasefire. Do you remember them talking about that? Yeah, Rogan's talked about that before. They had to go kill the wolves. <clears throat> they had to keep fighting because the generals told them they had to fight, but they, you know, the Germans were singing Silent Night with the American soldiers. This is World War One, not two. No, but I think that, that was a different story. No, they, they, but they played soccer together? Yeah, yeah, but there, there's, so there were two major ceasefires. The okay. one they were talking about was Russia and Germany. And oh, it was wasn't, Russia and Germany. Yeah, it wasn't Christmas Day. It was because there were so many wolves that they were basically attacking troops. Oh. So they had to take a break. Oh, I don't and remember that one. Shoot all the shoot all the wolves. And then there's another, yeah, it was crazy, dude. Whoa. I mean, there's a reason we've wiped a lot of wolves out in all different parts of the world because they're freaking super eat killers. You. Yeah, where do you think Red Riding Hood came from? Don't go into the woods. <laughs> I mean, that was a story to help kids stay safe. Uh, but there's another famous story between the British and the Germans where on Christmas Day people started singing and even though the words are different in Germany, everyone could tell what it was. From the from the beat. Yeah. yeah. Silent Night. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, just kind of the cadence of it. And yeah. then I assume, and I've seen kind of like reenactments done of this of, in like different movies. They like to allude to it because it's a good story. They would come out of the trenches, or one of them did on the one side, and then they just played soccer for the day. Like It's awesome. That's kind of fucking beautiful, right? I mean, but also oh, really yeah. sad because the next day they have to go back to just killing each other again. It's uh, well, or their generals are telling them that if they don't kill each other, I will kill you. Yeah, and these kids are eighteen. It's so fucked, dude. It's crazy. Uh, how about Huberman? I don't remember Huberman saying that nicotine is actually good for you. So it makes me feel good that I have a zin in my mouth right now. There we go. What's well, a bit Do of a nootropic? So just nicotine's okay for you? I thought it, I thought it still like shrank your, uh, uh, you know, gave you high blood pressure and made your, uh, gosh, why? Well, it's a bit of a of stimulant. So yeah, like caffeine, it's probably revving you up a little bit. You know, if it you doesn't a, give you high blood pressure. I don't think so. Okay, I mean well, maybe. I'm but keep, if I'm Huberman is saying, hey, it keeps you stimulated and it's a bit of a nootropic. I mean, you know, it's just been tied to tobacco for so long that they they almost can't undo the studies with it because it's always an issue that when you're seeking out nicotine, you might end up smoking, which is mm. not going to be great bad. for you. We know yeah. that's bad. I wish it was good for you. <sighs> yeah, maybe they can make supplement cigarettes in the future. Mm. Just vitamins, minerals, make you stronger. As long as they're vitamins. You can fly. I... I it was interesting to hear about Bert's dad, and we talked about this earlier before the show about the age and the age of Bert, and it kind of confused me because he was talking about the Iraq War and how he didn't understand war. He must have been what, maybe fifteen or something. Mm-hmm. And his dad's telling him he's an idiot for saying that the I- Iraq War is stupid, and he like sends him to his room. You know, Bert freaks out. He's like, "Why am I an idiot? What the hell? What's going on?" And then his dad brings him back down, and Bert's trying to figure out, why am I an idiot, Dad? Like, what, what's up with this war? He's like, no, you don't understand. This war's on TV. This is awesome. This is like, we're able to watch war now. This is cool. We're going to watch it together. That was a strange story. Yeah. I, 
I remember I remember seeing a lot of that. You know, so that was the Gulf War, right? That yeah. was the first one. Yeah, it was nineties. And and at no point, even though it's like, yeah, it clearly was like an action movie, but I was not enjoying seeing that no, as a ten year old. Absolutely, I'm like not. this. We're like we're, I'm pretty sure watching people die, and I and bombs go off. I did not it was enjoy horrible. That. It was terrifying. No, I want to see that in movies. I don't want to really see that in real life. That's a bit much. A bit much. And interestingly enough, they don't... I mean, we don't see a lot of footage of the Ukraine stuff going on. I mean, you can kind of see it online, but the news isn't really playing a lot. Of course not. I mean, are they... uh, uh, Is, like, the days of putting war on the news not not a thing now? No, it's not. But... but there's that site that Rogan talks about a lot that you can watch cell phone footage of people at war. That's wild. Yeah, that's a bit depressing. I don't recommend it. Can't do it. No. No. Let's let's just not even get any of that, please. All right, what else we got? I don't know. Drinking out of out of your shoes might be good for your gut biome. <laughs> I don't think it is. Didn't Bert get an infection? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Clearly, you're going to get a throat infection from that one. I'm Honestly, the biggest thing that, that I got out of this one, I love listening to Bert. He cracks me up. He's just such a happy, fun guy. He clearly is extremely grateful for Joe and his friendships. And really, that first thing they talked about, they kind of brought it back at the end, uh, just talking about how jealousy is such a horrible thing to have and how, and you know, we'll get into this with the Dice Clay talk, how comics back in the day were jealous of each other and they try to they try to you know one up each other and really fuck people up like the the guy came on when dice first came on to um the dangerfield special the comic special for his first outing there was that other famous guy who'd already been on the special before who wore a leather jacket on purpose mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff's not happening anymore no and yeah, jealousy doesn't serve you very well. And but I think Rogan has so much to do with that. I mean, like you said earlier, he has brought in all of his comic buddies, and now they're all making millions of dollars, and they're all sharing each other's happiness, and they're on each other's podcasts. It's mm-hmm. it's great to see. It's the go giver mentality. It really is. Well, let's jump over to Dice because we're pretty much there with that story anyway. I mean, look, Dice has been around since the beginning, uh, not the beginning, but like he started before. Rogan, Rogan, yeah, Rogan was, no, oh, 89? 89 is when he, well, let's see, I have it in my notes. When he went on the special, his first outing, his first, you know, show was on the Dangerfield special, which was a, you know, weekly special. I don't know what station that was on, whether it was ABC or what, whatever. Um, the Young Comics. Okay. It was called. Yeah. That was, I'm pretty sure that was 1988. Okay, because Rogan has talked about it a lot where he, and he talked about it on this, like listening to Dice in his car with his girlfriend, and they were both cracking up, you know, so he's obviously been a big inspiration for Rogan and many other comics. He was legendarily popular. I mean, the, the stadium tour that he said he went on, like being able to sell out half a million tickets in a weekend. That's that is almost unheard of today. I would imagine it is. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at Eddie Murphy, who was the biggest comic at that time, 
or right before him, he was selling out 7,000 seat venues. Yeah. Dice was selling out 20,000. That's insane. Seat venues. Plus, right? Yeah. And he, well, he took that ad out. That was one of my favorite parts of this show. He took an ad out in Variety Magazine. This is back in the day when everyone read magazines. Right. He took out a full page ad. He said, it said, Eddie and Pryor are great, but in 88, you'll be shouting dice. And then the show aired two days later, that Dangerfield special. Wow. That's a small move. Well, I mean, it could have crushed him. It could have not worked at all if people hated him. Yeah. But yeah, it was a roll of the dice. He had to do it. What he sounds like he. Roll of the dice. Yeah, he sounds like he has, you know, um, an ability to really build up his own confidence and belief in himself. Like when yeah. he was when MTV was was firing him and he's like trust me I'm going to be the biggest thing in the world. Like that that takes some balls to say, right? I mean, yeah, but it it almost manifests itself if you if you believe that mm-hmm. about yourself, it works. How the fuck can you believe that about yourself though? That's he knew big, he was good. Yep. He knew he was good and it was just an act. That's what kills me and it, you, you know, you and I chatted about this last week. About how it's a persona, right? Dice is a persona. Mm-hmm. It's not the real Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, it's not, not like, how he acts. He's not really super bro. He's a softy. He's sweet. He freaking cried on the podcast. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. Yeah. Rogan even had to remind him, hey, it's great that you did that. I don't think that's weak. That's great. He he really just likes the, to be the guy that did it first. And he had so many firsts in his career, right? Yeah. And also a lot of, you got to remember a lot of comics back then were characters. You know, in a way. They played yeah, absolutely. they played a character on stage. I mean, look, Eddie Murphy was very much Eddie Murphy, yeah. but he was also wearing like Michael Jackson's leathers, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Eddie Murphy Raw, such yeah. a good such a good fucking show. There, there, there's so much of that kind of behavior but that's just standard. But there is no way Eddie Murphy, who at the time was the most brilliant comic, if not of all time. I think Eddie Murphy is the most brilliant comic of all time, in in my mind. Other than maybe Chappelle. But I'm saying back then, he was the biggest and the best. I I think he was way better than Dice. And I love Andrew Dice Clay. But I'm just not... You know, at the time it was great, but if you look back, in my mind, Dice is not as evergreen as eddie was like i can go back and listen to eddie and still laugh my ass off i go back and listen to dice i'm like yeah dude i i heard that but there's no way eddie murphy would have done the day the laughter died there is no fucking way he would have gone and bombed on purpose to make an act there's and almost, dice had this different he just had this quality about him that did, just did not give a flying fuck yeah and that's what made him brilliant. But really, the, that's not even a knock on Eddie because almost no one would do that. No, that, but that's what I'm saying. And like Eddie, no would, one would do that today. Rogan wouldn't do that. But then you have all these other comics who are hating on Dice, and he talks about it. He talks about how Leno was giving him shit, Carlin mm-hmm. was giving him shit, and he'd get in their face and be like, "You guys fucking suck. Fuck you. Don't sit here and hate on me in the press, and then when you see me in person, pretend like, oh, I'm so sorry I did this." That actually surprised me. It didn't surprise me that Leno did it, but it surprised me that Carlin would give him shit. And Ed, he kept, he said it over and over how Eddie Murphy was the only person who was like, Dice, don't let those motherfuckers get you down. I love you, dude. You're the man. Well, you know why? Because with Eddie, 
And like probably how he figured it out was that Cosby was always on his case. Oh, right, because he wasn't like, clean. Yeah, and he and he would be like, "Don't say this, don't say like like he had this right to talk to Eddie." And supposedly Eddie called uh, Pryor, and called and, Pryor. Yeah, and Pryor was like basically just said something like, you know. Tell him go fuck himself and have a diet coke or something like that. The, the oh saying said that was just about, about Cosby. Cosby, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was, basically well, Pryor was like, "Be you, dude." We all know Cosby sucks now. Well, but he was great at the time. Eddie's Eddie's ripped on him pretty hard. Let's be honest, <laughs> like legendary. But you know, you, I think you have to go through those types of things. You know, yeah. and, and in the same way, Joe saw it clearly. He realized that oh wait, this kind of attitude is not helping me. This is not going to make me better and bringing these other people up. Like, it's such an unusually small community. How many headlining comedians are there? Like, way less than there are surgeons. Yeah. You know? So they should stick together. And now what they they're, they're, so many of them have seen and learned, this whole new generation is like, oh, we can all bring each other we up. Rise together. And we all get better. Yeah. It's not like there's only five tickets to be sold and you've got to sell them all. It's like everyone can sell them. Everyone can do good. And, you know, I think because Dice is a sweetheart, he was probably always there, but it was it was painful for him to hear that and I to get that bad. pushback. And... I felt bad for him. I mean, it, it, it just seemed like he spent an entire 10 years of his life just even more just getting hated on by all these people that he looked up to and were supposed to be kind of similar and to understand him as a comic you would think these people again especially somebody like Carlin Carlin wasn't Car Carlin wasn't clean mm -mm. I mean he wasn't dice but you know he was saying fuck and shit and doing whatever he wanted I think it was just it a was really like jealousy there it was like trained into them it was cutthroat there were just a few late night spots. And those are the ones that turned into movies. Yeah. All those are the ones that turned into the big breaks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they basically just had to hate on each other because there were just so few avenues. And and that's what it seems like it was. I'm just glad that comedy isn't there anymore, you know. And now it's driven mostly through these clubs like Rogan's new club, the comedy store, there's camaraderie, people stick together. Yeah. And, you know, occasionally people get weeded out if they're just not not holding like that integrity of who they are. You know, if you get a few people coming in that are new big comics that don't want to support others, they're just not going to be in that group. And good. I say, well, I think em. I think the coolest thing about Dice is that he always had a plan for himself. He always knew least according to what he's saying I, I doesn't seem like he's a liar at all he tells the truth about everything as far as i can tell mm -hmm. that's the beauty of most comics right it's like you tell the truth you and we should probably play the clip actually let's play clip. the clip what is that number one i just think you know we've been so held back now like comedians for the most part are just being held back because comedians as Lenny Bruce put it, and I don't even study comics, we're supposed to be a mirror of what's going on in the world and yeah. say things what's going on in a funny way. That's all comedy's supposed to be. You know, depending on hard, how hard you want to get about it, well, that's up to the actual individual comic. Yeah. But 
to to put cuffs on comedians in 2023 is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Well, you know? this is the time where it's you know it's important to make fun of things because things get real serious. Yeah, that shouldn't get that serious. Yeah, they do, and it's always going to be a problem for comedy, right? I don't think this is anything new. You know, Lenny Bruce was just crushed and sued and you know they were arresting him for the things that he's yeah. saying yeah. all right we're not arresting comedians today uh we're desperately trying the people are desperately trying to cancel them which is shocking yeah but um, look what happened to Chappelle. he's talking about his friend on stage and he's getting attacked because people don't even understand that he's he's not anti-semitic he's not anti-trans but people think he is because of the th- a, a, one of his bits and he's actually talking about a friend of his yeah, this isn't a corporate job, guys. Duh. It's supposed to be funny. You're supposed to be talking about stuff that happens in mainstream media and in our lives, and you're supposed to make fun of it and make light of it. I think that those people should just not watch comedy. If you're going to get upset of at stuff course. like this. Yeah, don't watch it. Or watch different comedians. Only watch clean ones. But why should everyone behave the way that well, you want? Again, can we bring this back to Bill Cosby? He was clean. Look at him. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So what is that? What? Where does that go? That guy sucks. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, don't watch it. I mean, whatever. I was watching Eddie Murphy Raw at 12 years old with my father. He's like, don't tell your mom. We're watching Eddie Murphy tonight. Oh, it was so good. I, I remember sitting down and watching Eddie Murphy Raw for the mm-hmm. first time and just reiterating those the stories like, what's a Goonie Goo Goo, Gus? Mm-hmm. What the fuck is a Goonie Goo Goo, Gus? Like... I just thought it was the funniest thing. And yeah, maybe I shouldn't have watched that at 12. That was probably a little young. Actually, I was probably like 10. So yeah, too young to watch that. But maybe. At the same time. But look, you're fine. I'm, f- I'm fine. Yeah, you didn't grow up to be like a freaking psychopath. I don't think, I think the effects of these things are. Dude, my dude. babysitter had me watch Chucky at like eight. That's way worse. Way worse. Dude. Way worse. Nightmares. Violence. Violence. Nightmares. I was yeah. scared of dolls. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching Friday the 13th at like 8 because my brother was 12. You know, of course his friends were watching it at 12. Mm-hmm. It scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Freaked me out. But you I know, thought about the boogeyman and all these things. It's like, listening to Eddie Murphy, I wasn't scared. I, thought, I just thought it was funny, even yeah. though I didn't really understand it. Pick up a few words. and yeah, but say I mean, fuck, that, shit. That um, bit that he does with his ice cream. I got my ice cream. I mean, yeah. my, like a 10-year-old would crack yeah. up watching that. Yeah, Even if great. he didn't get a lot of the other references, he had so many bits in there that were perfect. I want to talk a little bit, though, about the day the laughter died and the fact that Rick Rubin mm. was involved in it. Now, yeah. what kind of special human being is he? To just like be around these like cultural moments yeah. in history that are so valuable. Well, it's like he just shows up, he's a part of it, and he just feels his way through it and makes helps people make Well, he magic. understood it. He understood it. He 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 understands. Rick Rubin is a special kind of producer that understands talent, right? He knew that Dice was fucking with people and he thought it was hilarious because mm-hmm. he's because Rick Rubin 
understands comedy. He yeah. just, and then it's funny because it, it he talks you know, about you can hear him laughing in the background. I know, like when it's he's kind in the of back. dead, he it's like he's laughing out loud. Yeah. Well, they t- he talks about it uh, when he was on Rogan. He talked about how it was him and his buddy. I can't remember his buddy's name who was in there. I don't know if he was one of the producers as well, but he was in the back also laughing his ass off, and they were the only two laughing in the entire thing. And then the guy walks out and goes, you're about as funny as a glass of milk. <laughs> and it's just dead. It's just dead. <laughs> That's such a fucking like 80s heckle, too. Right. Yeah, good one, bud. Yeah. Get thanks, the fuck out of here. Grandpa. <laughs> Cheers. But the best part is someone like Rick, Rick uh, Geffen, who is an amazing record producer also, and you know, started Geffen Records, was on, you know, what was it, Columbia before, then his head of Columbia, then started Geffen, you know, has such an amazing list of mo- some of the most talented people in the world on his, you know, resume. And part of his, the records that he put out, he didn't even get it. Mitzi didn't get it. Yeah. Mitzi was like, Andrew, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, you'll ruin your career. You will ruin your career. And he, he's like, Mitzi, you don't understand. I'm but doing it, this. But it makes sense. I don't think many people could have. I think it if makes Rogan, sense for him. I think if Rogan had been there, maybe if if Rogan was in the back, let's just say he was you know closer to Dice's age and they were tight and they came up together. If if Rogan was back there, maybe if he saw Rick Rubin laughing, he'd be like, "Okay, there might be something here." Yeah. But there's another part of him. I don't think Rogan would encourage another one of his friends to make an hour plus that bombs when you're that big. Right. But this is but but that's not a knock on anyone. I because I don't think No, people that didn't get it. Anyone could see what it was in the moment. No. It wasn't until later that that these comedians go back and watch it and they're like, wow, we know how much of like an unusual risk that is and mm. we we fucking like praise you for it. Yeah, it's incredible. Because it's badass. It's incredible. And he was doing it on purpose. Yeah. That's the best part. And no one knew he was doing it on purpose. He was just fucking with people. It would be so wild if Chappelle just decided to do it. Yeah. He'd kill it. That would be great. But you got to think too, at that time, Rick Rubin, this is 1989. I mean, I don't even think, had Aerosmith come out with uh, run oh, DMC run, yet? I don't I mean, know. Everyone thought that was a dumb idea, and look at that, how that blew up. I mean, that basically brought hip-hop to the mainstream. Yeah. And Ruben understood it. Ruben understood that the Beastie Boys were the fucking shit, and no one else thought they were. They're like, who are these three idiot white kids singing about girls and, you know, just idiotic stuff? Mm-hmm. And they're not rappers, they're white. Nobody well, they, got it. And they're they the biggest fucking, one of the biggest hip-hop acts rappers, ever. though. Well, they were they, more punk rock. Right. Because they did the party, you know. Yeah, but it was still it was still hip hop. Okay. It was just a different kind of hip hop. It was white boy hip hop. Fair enough. Which everyone was making fun of. And then what did that bring? Then you got vanilla ice. Then of obviously Eminem. I mean there's a few others, but like it was kind of like vanilla ice was the next one and he had a one hit wonder basically. Yeah. But I mean the Beastie Boys are timeless. Oh yeah. One of the best bands of all time. So good. But Ruben saw that. Yeah. The CD ill communication is yeah. just... It's the first one. It's beyond amazing. Yeah. I remember going down to my brother's room every time he left the house. I was in third grade, and I would go down, and I would listen to 
the ill communication tape. And that was my introduction to hip hop. Fucking tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just it was surprising to me to hear that Rick was there because I'm like, I didn't, you know, he's a music guy, obviously, but he just came in for this thing and and like in a way seemed to have encouraged Dice to do this more than anything. And mm-hmm. it wasn't you know, it probably got him a shitload of press. He was still selling out arenas. Um, I wonder how, you know, because he, he did drop off. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. He's not selling out arenas today. He still does fine, I'm sure. Well, he's doing videos on fucking YouTube. Yeah, those are they're funny, though. They're so funny. Yeah, they're very funny. Because <laughs> no one knows who he is anymore. Uh-uh. And he just pretends, like, hey, you want a picture with me? Like, it's so good, though. How many hits are those actually getting? Like, they're getting millions of views. Oh right? yeah, people are watching yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very very funny stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's like eventually that kind of character did kind of die out somewhat. Um, I didn't know he did all that dancing too. You see some of those videos, him and Rogan. No, he was like I doing didn't. Elvis, like pretty good job. He was doing like Grease. And oh, right, like, right. yeah, singing along to that. And like he said that he enjoyed that more than stand up. Like he was just a entertainer, a performer. I mean He's so good. I mean the but again, he's he's always been an entertainer and they bring it around at the end about how the producer of Entourage brought him back in. He was on the last what was it, episode of the last season. I don't know who he played in that. Hmm. I don't remember that, but He's been Did you on, watch that show? I used to like Entourage, but I don't. I don't remember Dice being in Entourage. So I, I, when he talked about that, I felt stupid because I, I was thinking, man, I've seen a lot of Entourage. Um, well, maybe you didn't watch the last season. <clears throat> maybe not. I should see that show. I don't. I think I've just seen clips. But I mean, clearly, clips. he's he's always been an actor. I mean, he's yeah. just an act, and he's a good actor too. He's played some like powerful, dramatic pieces in in stuff too. Which is, yeah, he's he's an unusual character, man. I mean, he's he's the real fucking deal. He's seen the highest highs, probably some like real lows in there. When there was a time, you know, that people were like, "Where's he?" You know what I mean? After and that or must just be hating so different. Yeah, just or hating just hating on, hating him, on him for no thinking reason. Thinking he's a womanizer and a dick, and, and all that. When really he's not. It's the persona of Dice. Mm-hmm. He's just an act. We got to leave comedians alone. It's just folks. an act. Let them be. Let them be actors. What's the on worst stage? thing that they can possibly do if you just leave them alone? Do you really think, with all the fucked up things in the world, all the bad influences, all the insider political trading, and you know, corporate nonsense and governments fucking going to war with each other. There you go. What we have to worry about is stand-up comedians telling yeah. jokes that you don't like. Amen, baby. Please, God. Let's go. I think on that, we're call it. Love ya. Getting preachy. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you as always. And uh, go watch The Machine, motherfuckers. There you go. Peace out. Laters. Laters.